Hello, this is Pam Concier, and you're listening to the Accidental Muralist podcast. I am the owner and founder of All Hands Art, and today I want to start with a little story. Recently, a car I was driving had a little breakdown near a town called Longview, Washington. It was on the way to Centralia, which is named, I imagine, because it's the central point between Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, Washington. And I happened to have been meeting my daughter who was driving down from Seattle. And uh, I didn't make it to Centralia that day because I had a little breakdown in Longview. And everything ended up okay. I did spend about 75 minutes in the median of I-5. And because AAA has a rule during COVID where you cannot ride in the truck with the tow truck driver, I spent most of that 75 minutes wondering, like, are they going to make me run across three lanes of the freeway and walk the two miles or so along the freeway to get back to Longview where I can safely wait for a ride? Turns out I didn't need to do that. Um, but I don't want to rat anybody out for breaking the rules. So I'll just say that it all worked out fine. I got back home, but I am a meaning maker. I like to go through my life sort of searching for meaning and finding it because it makes my life more interesting and rich. And so this story was not really meant to be about what happened with the car but rather the concept of a breakdown in the long view and what that phrase means, a breakdown of the long view, a long view breakdown. And the long view that I'm talking about is the opposite of what American culture is about, which is fast, right now, overnight successes, immediate gratification. Um, I want it now and I want it convenient and cheap and easy. So <laughs> what, we've, what we're going through right now is a breakdown of the long view, which is a view of life where we understand that things are incremental, that mastery takes years or decades or whole lifetimes and we may never actually get there, um, where we understand that change is not like turning on a dime, but taking a giant ship and slowly, slowly um, shifting the momentum and turning it around, which um, takes time and effort and, and a lot of space. So I liked this phrase, a long view breakdown, <laughs> because that's what I wanted to talk about today was the importance of having a long view. I am someone who, I do sort of have a long view naturally. I think with things like, I'll take a silly example, like I will squeeze the very, very, very last iota of toothpaste out of the tube. So I've got it rolled up, I'm still squeezing it from the bottom, I'm I'm holding down the top part right, you know, underneath the opening so that I can get every, every, every last bit of toothpaste out before I throw that away 
because I, I will project that over my lifetime, if I do that every time, you know, over a lifetime, I'll probably save, I don't know, five tubes of toothpaste. And not that that $20 matters that much, but, but the waste means something to me. So I will use things down to the very, very end so as not to waste it because I'm, I'm sort of projecting out over my lifetime of how things get used and how I can reduce my footprint or save money or just not waste things. And that's a silly kind of consumer situation. But I've also gotten better or at least more patient with myself when I'm in a learning situation and have adopted the view that if I start now, I will be so happy in a year or two years or five years or 10 years that I didn't wait any longer to start with the lessons or the practice um, because of all the progress that I know I can make in the meantime. I'm a little bit less of a procrastinator than I used to be and a little bit more patient with my own progress. I know that if I put in the work, I will see results, not today or tomorrow, but probably in a couple weeks or months or years. And that's worth it to me. And because I operate in the world of creativity, I see this a lot from other people who either expect to be really great at painting the first time they sit down to try it and they're very disappointed if it doesn't work that way or they kind of feel like giving up or they kind of imagine that someday they will have this ginormous block of time maybe five hours a day or a whole two weeks or three years to devote to it rather than what I've found to be the answer really the gold is five minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, one hour once a week for three years. That's really the only way I've ever made progress in anything, I think, in my life. Also, I think it will help us if we can dispel this notion, and this is what we see on Instagram or YouTube, these Often they're young people who are amazing and then, you know, they practice the ukulele in their room and then pretty soon they have 18 million viewers and they're, they have their own TV show or something. That might happen, but that's probably like two people out of the human history. And instead, maybe we could start recognizing and really absorbing the idea that any kind of competence. I almost don't want to use the word mastery because I think that's not really a place you ever arrive. There's always more learning to be done. But any of these people that our culture holds up as geniuses that were somehow, you know, struck by the divine lightning at birth, the Mozarts and the Bill Gateses and the Einsteins, what we forget is that there was so much work until they got to the point where they were renowned for their craft. Um, because I said Einstein, I have to follow that up by saying that his wife, his first wife was a mathematical genius and actually gave him a lot of the ideas and collaborated on a ton of his work. So just hearing the, the name Einstein, it kind of raises these issues for me because she's one of the forgotten women of history where he gets all the credit and she is lost 
in time. But anyway, you know what I mean by these genius people who we imagine that they were just born that way and it's so easy for them. And as somebody who has achieved certain things in certain areas, it's actually really irritating to, to receive that idea of like, oh, it's so easy for you because that kind of negates all of the work that I've put into whatever I've done, whether it was in martial arts or in mural making or painting. There's been actually just an incredible number of hours that went into that. So think about that when you're sort of dismissing somebody and we all, you know, I do this too. I have people who, who make it look so easy and it's easy to think, oh, I wish you know, I wish it were that easy for me here. It's such a struggle. But let's give credit that those people have first an interest in what they're doing. They've devoted a ton of time to it and they've sought help probably when they needed help or tutoring or teaching or lessons. And they've, there's a lot of work. There, there are no overnight successes. There is no instant fame. There is no snap results just because you know you show up and you're incredible and if you know if you point to that one example of that girl four-year-old in Japan painter yeah okay maybe once a century there's somebody like that but that's not what we need to set our standards around and another another context in which I thought of this concept this week and how it can be problematic is so last week was the, were the shootings in Atlanta of Asian women. That was all over the news. I'm sure you heard about it. You know, blatant misogyny, blatant racism. And there's, when something like that happens, or George Floyd last summer, or all, you know, these are unfortunately happening way too often all over the country. And when those events happen, those tragedies, it's easy to think, I have to do something right now. Like I need to go to Instagram and show that I support Asians and, you know, what can I write? And there's uh, somebody pointed out recently that that is a sort of a capitalistic response to think to the urgency, the need to respond with urgency is wrapped up in our whole capitalistic, maybe also wrapped up in white supremacy in that system. Because when you think about it, misogyny has been around for about 5,000 years. Racism has been around for at least 500 years. And these problems did not, um, you know, they didn't grow overnight and they're not going to be dispelled as much as we would love them to be with, you know, put, posting the right thing on Facebook and saying, you know, reading the right book or doing the right thing. But those things can be important. Reading, reaching out, educating yourself, all of that. Keep doing it. And I'm, I'm, I, this is like a note to self because I often have this feeling like I should be able to fix the world right now by myself. Um, so this, I'm saying this as a reminder to myself that although it feels urgent because there was something horrible that just happened in real time in a place with 
actual people who were alive yesterday and today they're dead. And there does need to be accountability for those people. I'm not saying just let it go, but think about in your life, how can you, what would taking the long view look like for you rather than reacting with urgency each time there's a catastrophe? Would, would a long view mean that you are, maybe it's reading and educating yourself and, you know, trying to understand more about white supremacy and your own internal forms of white supremacy. We all have them. I've been kind of devastated recently in the aftermath of thinking of my own forms of inner misogyny and the way in my own little household here when things come up sometimes I just defer to my male partner um, and there's something in my body that just believes that he has more of a right to do whatever it is that he's doing than I have a right to do whatever it is that I want to do and I'm just talking about innocuous things like sitting on the couch and you know maybe he's talking on speakerphone to his friend where I wish he would go somewhere else and have that conversation because I'm watching screen. Little things that, but, but I don't say, this is from real life last week, but I, I don't say anything. I have the conversation inside my head and then I tell myself, oh, just, you don't want to be a nag. Just don't worry about it. He'll probably be done soon. And, and I make the choice to override my simple request for, you know, can you maybe not do that here because even with my headphones turned up to high volume, I can still hear you. And in that moment, I've given him more validity to exist there doing what he's doing than my validity to exist there doing what I'm doing. That is what I mean by inner misogyny. So, um, the, I don't know if you followed that thread that I just <laughs> went down, but the long view for me is um, I may post something, I may more often think about it and then decide, no, that feels performative or that I, you know, that's not really going to help the situation other than make me feel better because other people might think that I am woke or whatever. But I do. I do try to go to a place of what can I do? Where are situations in my life where I could make a small difference to combat the ways that I am act misogynistically to myself? Where can I shine a light on those? Try to eradicate those small things. If we all imagine if the if, however, four billion women in the world, um, and you know, I'm in this privileged place with a really kind, understanding partner, and it's hard for me. It's so ridiculous. This is what we're what we're dealing with here. But if I can make a little positive change and and you know, raise some awareness in my household, and within within my body, and if hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of other people are doing that, whether it's around race or gender or homophobia or anything like that, think about the cumulative effect. That's where I, that example I gave about the toothpaste, you know, it's a small thing, 
but over the course of a lifetime, if there's enough small steps being made and little bits of progress being made by you and by me and by other people we know, and we're changing the course of that sh ship slowly, pulling it back, turning it around, the long view looks more encouraging. And coincidentally, the town of Longview is a deep water port on the Columbia River, so they actually do deal with ships there. I don't know if it's probably not big enough to turn them around, but maybe the metaphor can be a little bit stronger because of that. So if that vision works for you, uh, me being on the side of the road or the ship in the port in Longview, use it and don't be fooled by thinking that the long view is sort of a cop-out or an easy way out because it's not that. It's not a lack of dedication. It's actually sustained dedication over a long period of time. It's not a slacker view. It's extreme dedication to the process actually is what it is. And it makes me think of a quote that is attributed to Winona Leduc, a Native American Ojibwe leader and environmental justice activist who said something like, if you want to see the outcome of your goals within your lifetime, then your dreams are too small. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist of it. And we American capitalists have very small short-term dreams. I also wanted to mention that when I used the word genius a while back, I was using it in kind of a culturally lazy way. And I actually believe that we are all born with a genius. It's not just reserved for the likes of Mozart and Bill Gates. Um, and our job throughout our life is to find what that is, that creative spark in us, that gift that we have. And we knew it in childhood we at some point probably got teased out of it or made fun of for it and so we put it away and buried it and so our job as adults i believe is to reclaim it dig it up um, hone it and and use it in the service of others so i wanted to correct my usage my lazy usage of the word genius and if you are someone who feels very disconnected from your genius I encourage you to spend time making things because that is, for me, the best way to just get right back to the source. It will raise up all kinds of things for you, all kinds of self-doubts and self-judgment, um, but that's, that's where the rubber meets the road and where the work happens. And I am working on some new course offerings that are going to be, I'm envisioning online video-based courses that you can do at your own pace. Um, I'll tell you more about those later, and the best way to find out would be to make sure you are subscribed to my email newsletters, and you can do that at allhandsart.com. If you're new there or haven't been there in a while, a box will pop up that, will, that you can use to subscribe, or you can go to the menu bar and find where to subscribe and I will pop good things in your inbox. So thank you for listening. Please share this with a friend. I love it when my words resonate 
enough that your thought is, ooh, so-and-so would, would love to hear this. Um, that's the best way that you can support my work, one of the best ways. So share it with a friend, and thanks again for listening to the Accidental Muralist podcast, and I will catch you next time.